this season that we're in here in 2015, as we're in this month of September. Uh, today is the end of Shemitah, the, uh, the, the sabbatical rest year. This is the end of the year of Jubilee, okay? And it's significant because the, the previous two uh, last days of Shemitah, uh, 2001, 2008, 2001 uh, was the largest stock crash in American in, in the history of the markets. 2008 surpassed it with the largest stock crash. Now, obviously, today uh, the markets aren't going to crash today, and I'm not saying they're going to crash tomorrow. But it's interesting to watch and to see what is going to transpire here at this time. And the reason I apologize is because I got my dates confused a little bit as I talked about this. Today is that day. I think I've maybe said the 24th and 25th as I talked verbatim like I am right now. Uh, today is that day, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But there are other events that uh, are happening this month, such as the fourth, blue, fourth blood moon, which will take place on the 28th, the gathering of the UN Council where the Pope is going to speak not only for the council to open it, but as well as speak to our Congress, which is unprecedented, uh, thinking that this could potentially be uh, the French bringing in a proposal to form a Palestinian state, which could potentially be a black eye to Israel. And we know that in the last days, the nations of the world will align themselves against Israel. So this is concerning time. Possibility of calling for some type of world order I am in no way suggesting to you that Christ is coming on this day or that day, but I, what I am calling you to watch for is um, that potentially this month is a threshold to events that could begin unfolding rather quickly as we anticipate the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I heard someone was talking to another person about this, and they're like, oh, they've been saying that forever. Okay, well, we're going to get to 2 Peter chapter 3 here eventually, and, and there it says that in those last days, there are going to be mockers and scoffers, and they're going to be saying, where's this coming that he promised? And for those of you who are kind of smirking at the whole idea, he goes on to say, don't forget this one thing, dear friends, that the Lord, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some reason the scripture is not coming to me. I want to get the rest of it. Be sure of this. The day of the Lord will come. And that's abbreviated. I missed something in my history. I got more of it in my mind. But, but be sure of this. The day of the Lord will come. What's this day going to bring? It might bring some drastic changes to us. What do we do? Remember John 16, 33. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Put your hope, find your joy in, in the Lord. Now, it's an interesting little piece that I read uh, the other day regarding the Inuit Indians, because here we are, are the Indian, Inuit people, I should say, who, uh, who are up in the polar regions of uh, Canada and Iceland, okay, the indigenous peoples in those areas who are hunters. And typically when they go out walrus hunting, they have in, in their season about one hour of light.
light to do their hunting, and they have observed that they currently have two hours of hunting time. And what they're saying to everybody who's promoting global warming is that take another look because we've been hunting these lands for a long time, and we believe there has been polar shifts. Now, if you've studied science, you know that the Earth's axis has changed at different times, okay, over the course of world history. The Inuit Indians are saying, take another look, because we believe that there has been a polar shift that has changed recently. What does this mean? It means potential great changes on our earth. So a lot of fascinating pieces going on, and, and uh, I'm kind of not sure myself what to do with it. I hope in the Lord I will stand strong and be courageous and keep preaching the word. Persecution, my friends. Oh, dear, I have to keep going before I get into the word. Sorry. It's going to come from the church, and it's going to come in the name of compassion. And lines are being drawn as the world's redefining what compassion looks like. And when we stand for righteousness, when we stand for repentance, because basically what's happening in the world is there's no sin, really. Just do whatever you want to do. Just make sure that whatever you're doing isn't hurting me personally, and we'll all be okay. I'm afraid persecution shouldn't be the way I pray. But I, I, it looks to me like persecution against those of us who are really pursuing God is going to come from a apostate Christian movement that's going to label us as bigots and sensitive, and, it, and it's going to come in the name of compassion. It just makes me want to cry because I, I believe we're loving and compassionate people. But that's the way things appear to be unfolding to me right now. Whee. Okay. <laughs> oh, happy day. He washed my sin away. You know, singing that song, I, I, was, I was wondering in my spirit, you know, I, I was just having a little hard time getting into it. And I, you know, spirit, am, am I being prideful, like, in saying that he washed my sin away? And then I just felt like God just spoke to my spirit and said, Michael, remember the day when my spirit came alive in you. And, and up to that point, my faith was kind of a dead thing. Uh, my, my outlook on life was a dead thing. But when God's spirit came alive in me, I kid you not, I, I was the worst kid in catechism. Okay, I don't know how much time I spent in Monsignor Doherty's office, okay? Because the teachers did not have passion or something, or, or I was living in the flesh and not embracing. It would be interesting to go back and watch a tape, even though I see some of them playing sometimes in my mind. Um, but when the Holy Spirit came in my life, scriptures, scriptures I'd learned in catechism suddenly came popping into my brain. <laughs> The word of God came alive, and it was amazing, amazing. So to sing that with humility, oh, happy day, right? Not like I've got superior, superiority over somebody else, but what I've got 
It's for everybody, and I want everybody to have it. And forgive me if sometimes I come across a little pushy or maybe kind of like a salesman trying to close a deal. That's not what's in my heart. I want you to know this Jesus that I've come to know. And not just a form of religion, but to really know him and the power of the resurrection and the power of the spirit working in your life. And that's my heart for you. Amen? Okay, so with all that, tomorrow night, uh, multiply, please, please, please join me if you have a desire to make a difference. Uh, I, uh, recently, I was at an event where three people said, you know, I just don't know my purpose. I've been so clear in Scripture, okay? So next week, at, we're, we'll be in a place in Peter where we're going to talk about telling your story, all right? Always be ready to give an account for this hope that is in you. We're going to be talking about that. So after we're, we're done here, uh, this guy who's in the Gonzalo, Gonzola boat operator uh, shirt up there, the blue and white stripes, Chris Mainland. Chris, wave your hand at us over there, okay? See the prison stripes there? All the guys in, all the guys in Venice love those stripes, you know? Uh, he's he, he's going to be um, videoing you telling telling your reason for the hope that is in you, and he would love to just have uh, uh, some footage of you sharing your story briefly after church, so we can see some of that next week. Okay, so stop and see him on your way out today. And that cute little baby up there too, and mommy, love you all. So okay, let's get into this teaching. All that was not the teaching. That was all three, okay? <laughs> oh, dear. So my personal goal today is to accept this reality that we are all in need of grace. And can I just say, I, I, I used to make fun of the fact that uh, all of us have EGR people in our life. Those are people who require extra grace. So EGR is extra grace re required, okay? But the more I've thought about that, the more I've realized that I'm an EGR person. <laughs> and so uh, we all are in need of grace. And uh, so uh, that's kind of what hit me this week. Last week, we saw that we are called to be submissive to s those in s positions of civil leadership, public officers, presidents, kings, governors, and those they appoint, police, military. We, we talked about that. We also saw that we're to be submissive to those who in some way have been given power over us, might be a boss. Uh, in, in the case of Scripture, it had to do with, with slave owners. In today's text, that theme of submission continues as Peter talks about how husbands and wives are to relate to each other. So reading our text here, starting with verse 1, wives. Uh, when you think about the Bible and you think about two words that go together, if I were to say wives, what would the natural word be on your brains that would follow? Yeah, yeah, submit. What was the word that came over here? It was a different word. Sorry? Oh, wives and husbands. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, and that's what this is about. And and we'll we'll see that in a minute, John. But but that word submit and uh, and what a, what a negative thing that is in our culture today. Way politically incorrect. So if, if I were to speak these words in a public restaurant, and I say this because this has happened to me, where I've, I've, I've seen people get really angry at me just having a conversation with somebody, and my voice is loud, and I'm like, tone it down, you're so loud. And, uh, 
And I don't mean it to be hurtful, but the scripture just does that. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the words, even if some husbands do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their their wife. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, which the better word there is your respect. Verse 3, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incomparable beauty, I'm sorry, incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Afraid of doing the right thing, okay? Just trust in God. Verse 7, husbands, likewise, Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Amen. I heard this morning about a guy who forgot their wedding anniversary and his wife was so angry with him she said if you want to make this right then tomorrow when I look out in the driveway I expect that you see something out there that will go from zero to 200 in less than six seconds next day she looks outside and sure enough there's a package out there not what she expected she went out to open it and it was a bathroom scale. <laughs> the guy didn't do himself any favors. Man and women, women had been married for some 60 years. They shared everything in common, no secrets whatsoever, except for this woman had this little box that she kept in the top right-hand corner of a shelf in, in their closet, and she told her husband to not speak about that box, stay away from that box, dare not ever open that box. And the man was faithful. He, he never even thought about that box until one day his wife got sick, and the doctor said she would not recover, and so the man felt it was the time, he pulled that box down, brought it to the hospital room, set it on that table next to her bed, and she agreed it was time for him to know what the contents of that that box were, so when he opened it, he found two crocheted dolls and what appeared to be tens of thousands of, of dollars. And so she begins to explain, she said, dear, when we were married, my grandmother told me that the secret to a happy marriage is, is never to argue. And she said, when, whenever, I get, whenever and if I ever got angry with you, that it would be in our best interest if I would just go sit by myself and crochet a dowel. Well, this man felt really good. I mean, 
two dolls? I mean, all this year, all these years of loving and, and, and sharing, and, and you only got angry with me two times. He almost burst with, with the joy that, that was in his heart. But he said, he said dear, that, that explains the dolls. But what about all this money? I said, oh, that's simple. He said, every time I got a dozen dolls, I sold them for five bucks. There's a statement in today's text that would be really easy to overlook. And, and with our prejudices toward truth and being politically correct and the mess of society we're in, we'll get hung up on words like wives submit. We'll get hung up on words like weaker vessel and potentially miss a greater reality that's going on in this passage I'm really glad I had extra time in this word because I think I might have missed it. It's right there in verse 7. After the man is told how to treat his wife with <laughs> understanding, and I just have to laugh there. Yeah, the day I figure it out, I'll let you know. Peter says this. He says, bearing, being heirs together of the grace of life. Being heirs together of, of the grace of Peter's talking specifically to husbands. It, it seems to me it applies to all of us in relationship to one another, definitely in, in the church. We are heirs together of the grace of life. Great rule to live by. Great, great principle to hold on to as we do life together, that we are joint heirs, that we are fellow heirs, that we are equal heirs, that we are co-heirs in the grace of life. So what is it that this grace of life is all about? The primary meaning has to do with the kingdom of God and new life in Jesus Christ. We have received equally the same saving grace of Christ. No difference. Equal terms. I like the way the New Living Translation puts it when it says this. Your wife is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. So in God's e eternal kingdom, we are all equal heirs. When it comes to our salvation, it doesn't matter if you're male, doesn't matter if you're female, doesn't matter if you're slave, doesn't matter if you're free, doesn't matter if you're Jew or, or non-Jew, doesn't matter what the color skin you may have, no, doesn't matter your degrees, doesn't matter the achievements you may hang on your wall, the ground is level for all of us at the cross very valuable. When we pass from this world to the next, these things that we tend to use to make distinctions toward one another are not going to be factors because we all share a common inheritance. And, and not all religions teach this. This is, this is the freedom of Christ at its, its best because there are those religions that teach being male is superior than being female. And therefore, not only does the male get a greater portion in the inheritance, but that women will be there for the man's service. It's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. 
Jesus doesn't, doesn't teach us. Jesus teaches us, if you really want to know, that each one of us is a servant to the other. That's just the way it works in the kingdom of God. Jesus, God in the flesh, creator of heaven and earth, was willing to allow himself, and it's just his nature to do this, to be a servant to you and to me. Even to the point of giving his very life for our sakes. See, in the world's system, it's, it's all about doggy dog. It's about who can get ahead. It's about getting one up on each other. So, John, uh, why don't you step down here for just a moment? We, You're not going to hit me, are you? Yeah. <laughs> get down here and find out what you got coming to you. Come on. Oh, yeah, I can shake your hand. Here, put you on the spot. In the world system, you know, it's kind of like this. I'm above you, you know. I can help you to get up to my level. Right? It's a little hard, hard for me to pull you up here. In God's kingdom, it's, it's more about this. It's more about, can I help you up? That's a whole lot easier. It works a whole lot better. It's really about serving one another. Yeah. So rather than me feeling superior in any way, it's how can I help you get to where you want to get. Yeah. Thanks for your... Give John a hand for being a willing assistant right there. So the Bible tells us in Galatians 5.13, it says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. What does that freedom look like? Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. (laughs) That's the way it works in the kingdom of God. And so I will do best in what God has called me to do when I am serving in doing it. And it works the same for all of us, for both of us. Now, Peter seems to take it a step further here, suggesting that marriage itself is a gracious gift that we all all share in common and that it will bring abundance into our lives if we do what God has told us to do. He says says in verse 7, Husbands, do you want your prayers to be answered? Then treat your wives as co-heirs of grace. Treat your wives as co-heirs of a kingdom. And if a man isn't considerate and a man isn't respectful of his wife, he can expect that his prayers will be hindered. Why? Because a living relationship with the living God is best seen in our relationships to each other. It's easy to say, I love God. Oh, yeah? Well, let's see it in the way we love each other. Anything less is smoke and mirrors. It's, it's just an illusion. It, it, it's si- simply a play game. It doesn't work. In fact, Jesus took it to the point. Hold on a second. I'm not going to fight this thing any more than I have to. All right. I think I'm a free man. All right. Yeah, we'll try that. The thing was fighting me. Jesus even took it to the point where he says, listen, if you're coming 
to, to give me an offering, and there you're reminded of, of a conflict between you and someone else. How about this? How about you go and do everything you can to make that right, and then you come back and give that offering to me. That, that's how important it is. Make no mistake about it. If a man isn't lifting his wife up, then his relationship with God is suffering. It's not everything that he intended, God intended for it to be. So the application is that we treat one another as co-heirs, as co-partners in God's gift of new life. Friends, that is the premise of all this submission business. Okay? We're going to take it a step further in just a moment, but I have another story I have to share with you. All right. We're kind of a quiet crowd today, so a little laughter is good, right? A husband uh, shows up at the sheriff's department to report that his wife's been missing and explain that she went shopping. She never came home. So the officer asked, well, what was her height? And the guy said, gee, I'm not sure, a little over five feet, I think. Well, weight, uh, don't exactly know, not real slim, not fat either. Uh, Color eyes, never noticed, uh, kind of brown, I think. Well, color of hair, well, uh, color of hair, it changes a couple of times a year. (laughs) I don't exactly remember. Well, what was she wearing? Oh, could have been pants, maybe skirt, maybe shorts. I I don't know. Uh, Well, what kind of car was she driving? She was driving my truck. Oh, yeah, well, what kind of truck was it? Oh, it was a 2015 Ford F-150 King Ranch 4x4 with EcoBoost, 5.0 liter V8 engine, special ordered manual transmission, climate controlled air conditioning, has custom matching white cover for the bed, which has matching aftermarket bed liner, custom leather six-way seats, Bubba floor mats, trailer package with gold hitch, special wiring hookups, DVD, GPS navigation system, satellite radio, six cup holders, USB port, four power outlets. Um, I, I added special alloy wheels and, and, and uh, off-road Michelins. It has custom running boards, indirect wheel well lighting, and the man starts getting really emotional. So the officer puts his arm around the guy and says, don't worry, buddy, we'll find your truck. (laughs) Oh, dear, what are you going to remember from today? (laughs) Okay, so there are several questions that come up in today's text. And, And the questions are typically twofold. One, you read something and you, under, you don't understand it, or two, you read something, you understand it, but you don't like the, the way it unfolds. You don't like the application of what's going on here. And so we see all kinds of these things, the word submit, the word fear. Why does Peter use more words to address the woman than the man? What about this business of adornment in, in verse 3? What about calling a woman a weaker Vessel. Okay, so let's let's just kind of break these down. Okay, question number one: Wives submit to your husbands. Well, this has biblically and historically been a pattern that men are the heads of their households. You combine that with uh, culture itself. Historically, this has been patterns of men being the heads of their house under Roman rule. A man was given absolute authority over his family. 
And so just as Scripture calls us to submit to governing authorities, the Scriptures also call us all to respect each other in the same way. Wives, respect your husbands. But in the kingdom of God, it's important that we recognize a key overriding principle, and I've been mentioning it as we go, and that principle is, in the kingdom of God, it's all about mutual submission. And the more you understand the scriptures, the more you see that is real, and God gives us different descriptions based upon what the other person most needs. But the key word here is mutual. Okay, so Paul gives a similar address in Ephesians 5. He begins talking to husbands and wives and and children and parents and even slaves and masters. And he gives this premise, this overriding theme to everything that he's about to say. And it's in verse 21 where he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's where it starts. Then he goes on to describe what that looks like in each and every case. Now remember... This is about pushing each other up. It's about serving one another because that's the way it works in the kingdom of God. Okay, so then someone kind of protests and says, but what if the submission isn't mutual? What if I'm serving but I'm not being served in return? Well, Peter calls us to win our spouses over by our actions. The goal is to show them Christ just as Jesus submitted himself. And even died on the cross for you and me. We sometimes have to submit ourselves in unpleasant circumstances in order to show someone else Jesus Christ. Now, you would say, well, does that mean that we submit when it comes to evil things or immoral things or unethical things or unbiblical things? Absolutely not. But friends, one-sided submission is a powerful tool that God will use in mighty ways to get a hold of another life. Uh, You know, but again, in the flesh, we're going to fight this thing. But in the spirit, if we're saying, God, I surrender to you. I want to be the man or woman that you created me to be. I need your help in this area. God will help us to do the right thing. But remember the context of this. It's about our hope being in Christ. It's about Christ submitting himself to sinful men. And because of that, we can have confidence when we submit to someone else without them reciprocating, trusting that God is using it for a greater good. And uh, that's where this word fear gets applied because it's about having a respect that wins the other person over. Okay, So I think that's, that's where we'll, we'll end with that point. But the second question, the second problem is this, and we're, this will grow. Do I really want to risk serving in this way? I mean, uh, th- this business of shouldn't I be af- that, that I don't have to be afraid of doing the right thing. Okay, so let's walk through this here again in Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, basically when it comes to marriage, when it comes to other relationships, God gives us these two rules. Now, immediately we're going to say, yeah, the rules are love God, love one another. But there's two rules in Ephesians 5 that apply specifically. And he keeps it to two because he wants it to be simple, rooted in, submit to one another. It's basically about treating the other person the way that he or she needs to be 
treated, and then he defines it this way. In Ephesians 5.25, he says to the husbands this, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The man is called to lay down his life for his wife. Friends, if that isn't serving, what is it? See it? This is the way a man honors his wife, is he lays down his life for her. In chapter 5, verse 22, as well as here in 1 Peter, he says to the wife, submit to your husband. It's not about one person having hierarchy over another. It's about giving the other person what the other person most needs to thrive. It's about getting under, underneath them in order to lift them up. I don't know how I got such a gift as I, I, I did in my wife, Valerie. It's observable in, in the workplace. And I don't know what I'm battling here, but I'm really sweating right now. So there's some kind of conflict going on in my spirit. So I just want to back up here. And I'm really glad to have Valerie home after taking Chloe away. Uh, to college, to college, yeah. Sometimes when I'm battling like this, it's just best to breathe a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Valerie works with all kinds of guys in the area of construction. And, and she's a designer. She has a, a knack for what she wants. But it's fascinating to watch guys on the workplace that are skilled at whatever they do. Electricians, plumbers, carpenters, uh, masons. But when Valerie shows up, suddenly it's as if they don't know anything about anything. Okay? Because here's the way it works. When I worked as an electrician a long, long time ago, it was curious to me that electricians did not want to advance and become supervisors. And the reason they didn't want to become supervisors is they didn't want responsibility, that kind of responsibility for what they did. Okay, it's always nice to have a fall guy, somebody else to blame. Okay, so they'll gladly let somebody else make more money in order to let them be in charge. I've observed in my own life that I have a tendency to want to let somebody else make the decisions. Okay, when Valerie says, I need you to lead here. See, that's a good thing. It's like it brings out the man that I am intended to be. And so it's just fascinating to me that in the workplace, she shows up and guys are like, well, we don't know what we're supposed to do. They do know what they're supposed to do. And they just need to know, go ahead and do it, you know, and live up to the responsibility that comes with it. So I don't know where I got this gift of a woman, uh, but it's pretty amazing to me that uh, she brings out the man <laughs> in me. And uh, so thank you, dear. But I will do anything to serve her uh, because, well, we're going to see that as we go here. So take a risk. Serving each other for Jesus' sake. Question number three. Why does Peter use more words to address women than he does to address husbands? Well, friends, if, if this has been cultural since who knows when, if it's been historical, if the biblical record shows men 
taking lead. And if Roman law says a man will be in charge of his household, then what's going on here is extremely radical. It's, it's downright crazy. In fact, the Roman system was oppressive to women, as many systems have been throughout the years. Jesus Christ is about setting women free. So when you start to set women free, it causes all kinds of problems. <laughs> yeah, you better believe it. So it needed to be addressed carefully, not just for the, for the women, but for men and women alike, because how do we do this? Okay, so that's what's going on here. Question number four, this business of adornment. Okay, so two weeks ago now, Dave Reaver came, and we saw his scars affected by a white, was it phosphorus grenade? right? And so the, the, the word that I heard most quoted from you all was when Dave said, my scars here are nothing compared to the scars that are inside of you, right? That was a valuable word, and, and that's exactly what, what's going on right here. Peter is, is addressing what we give care to, and the challenge is to spend more time developing our inner man, which is eternal, than we do developing our outer man, which is temporal. It doesn't mean we take, that we don't take time to look nice, okay? But it says, make a priority in your life. How much time are you developing what's going on in here? Who are you trying to impress, really? Is it about God's glory? Is it about what other people think about you? That's simple, simple here. Question number five. What about this woman being the weaker vessel? Okay, so some will protest and say, well, if men are so tough, then why don't they just have the babies? Right? And, and we've all heard that science says men couldn't handle the pain of childbearing. Okay. So then they'll protest again. They'll say, well, if men are so tough, then why is it that when they get sick or injured, they're such babies? And we concede the point. <laughs> but it's also true that a man has greater muscle mass than a woman does. So that if I were to take a rope and spread it out and say, I need 10 women from the crowd to come down and stand on this side and hold the rope. And 10 men to come on this side and hold the rope. And we're going to tug it out. That generally speaking, men are going to win. Is that fair? Yeah. So... so that's pretty much what it's talking about. It's not saying that men are any less in other qualities, but rather than gloating in those areas that we tend to do better, we need to recognize we're better because we're all different and everybody's using our parts collectively to make us better. But this idea of her being the weaker vessel is really about this. It's really about treating her as though she is precious. It's, it's about, men, let's not be bulls in a china closet when it comes to our relationship with our wives. We tend to play rough, men, right? We tend to be rough with our words, with each other. We tend to hit each other in places that we shouldn't dare hit women, Okay? Valerie, Valerie loves to decorate our house. And, and to her, she has all these beautiful things. And all those beautiful things I've given 
a two-word name to you. You want to know what it is? I call them man traps. They're strategically placed around the house so that I'm sure to knock them over and break them. They're valuable to her. Can anybody relate to that at all? I'm clumsy, but I don't want to be clumsy in how I treat my wife. So this whole business of wives being a weaker vessel isn't to be demeaning or lessening of value, but to raise a woman's value. It's to treat her like a princess. And someone out there, I'm sure, says, yuck, I don't want to be treated like a princess. Well, you know, generally speaking, this is the idea of how we function best right here. And it's fascinating that he uses Sarah as his example because the name Sarah means princess. Make it your point to raise your wife's value, but isn't that what we're supposed to be doing with everyone because we're getting underneath people to help them get where they need to get. Wives are co-partners, equal partners in God's gift of new life the grace of life. Let's treat them that way. So awesome. Make it your mission to raise the value of others, and in return, you will be amazed what others will do for you. Okay, so I want to wrap up with some challenges here. And you can do one of these. You can do all of them if you want to. So let me give these to you. Number one, think about a person that you really appreciate. Maybe a spouse, maybe a friend or a, a relative And write down three things that you really value about that person. Okay? Then find some time to sit down with them, maybe take them out or something, and share these things with them. The idea is to raise their value. Right? Rather than, you know, all the cutting and jabbing we do, speak words of blessing into their lives. Number two. Meditate on this passage here, 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 7 this week, and let God's Spirit show you something in your life that you need to work on, all right? Rather than focusing on the problems you're, you, that you have with your, your, other, your, your spouse or this other person, focus on them. What is it God wants you to do to speak life, to bless them? Where do you need to change? Number three. If you're struggling in your marriage or in some other relationship, how about asking someone that you respect, someone who seems to do really well in this area that you want to grow in, and asking them if they'll mentor you here. Okay, but by all means, keep in mind, we're to submit to each other as uh, out of reverence for Christ. We submit to each other and to treat each other as co-partners in God's gift of life. These tensions that we live with. They all show us how we need so desperately what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. These things show us how we need God's help because life gets so where we don't know what to do and we're told things that we're supposed to do and we read things in Scripture that are in conflict with everything we've been told and what do we do? And it all says, listen, put your faith in Jesus Christ. He will give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will teach you the things of God. Amen? So let's just take a moment and consider where we're at right now.
How are you doing with this business of submission? Have you submitted yourself to God himself or are you still doing life your own way? That's where it begins. Surrender to him. Just say, Lord, I realize that I've been doing life in, in a way that it's almost as if I expect you to serve me. And today I realize you've been serving me. And I haven't given you anything in return. And today I want to submit myself to you. Lord, take the throne of my life. Empower me to do your will. Make me the person that you created me to be. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me the truth. Lord, I want to be a person who lifts others. Empower me to do so. I surrender to you. give my life to you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name. I'm going to invite the prayer partners to come and, and be available to you. Let's continue worshiping as we consider these things.